They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Shooting the Shit with Chippa. As always, I am your host, Chris Chipman, a.k.a. The Chippa. And before I get into my very special guest, which continues into right now the recording month of December 2020, my coverage of the Salem Horror Fest 2020, but also just coverage of this awesome movie we're about to talk about and um, its director, writer, star, everything in a moment. Um, I'd like to thank my $15 a month or more patrons. They are Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, Hugh K. Campbell Jr., Alex Peregrine, Kevin C.V., Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, Mark Price, collaborating online, Alex Shaw, Seth Comfort, Seth Decker, Andrew Krause, Little Nikki, Robert V. Aldrich, Aaron Moriarty, Scott Thompson, Scott Arcuri, sorry, Carolyn Thompson, Scott Arcuri, and Shore Hansen Gustead. I could not continue doing this without all of you um this show has become even though i've started all of this stuff as a hobby this show and all of my other shows has become basically a secondary income to me because of all of you and i really appreciate that because it means i can spend more time being creative and talking to creative people instead of finding more ways to get money for my family and so all this time that i spend not with them at work or doing this is for something that's good for me and good for them instead of anything else. Um, this show, as a lot of my shows, is brought to you by the Geeks with Shields podcast. Each week, hosts Alex, Axel, and Ulrich provide a nerdy escape from the darkest timeline, talking everything from comics to long-forgotten movies and TV shows. If the darkest timeline has you down, check out the Geeks with Shields podcast for all your nerdy needs. And with that... I would like to introduce my guest for the day um, is the writer, director, star, producer, the the everything behind Papi Ramirez versus Giant Scorpions, which was the first film that I watched for this year's Salem Horror Fest 2020, which was a full virtual event. Fell in love with it, been in contact with Les Rivera, and we have just been having a great time getting to know each other. And it's great to finally talk to you. Good, sir. Introduce yourself to the peoples. Hey, 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 thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on, on, on. Uh, thank you for the intro or the short intro. Um, my name is Leslie Rivera. I am our writer-director, and uh, all my phones and iPads are apparently going off at the same time right now. Sorry oh, that's okay. I, I thought you were just like, you know, hitting a little bell. Like, that's like, that's like your thing. <laughs> a little bell to, to, to mark things off. <laughs> yeah. Every, every 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 time I hit a point, it just bing. No, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> that's like uh, that's like the little uh, reminder bell. Yeah. Um, yes, I am a writer director uh, based in Philadelphia right now. Uh, born and raised in Caguas, Puerto Rico. Wepa, and um, like Christopher said. Um, my uh, my movie, Papi Ramirez versus Giant Scorpions, played at the Salem Horror Fest. And that was pretty awesome because I have to be honest, um, I made this movie in a rental storage unit using green screen miniatures and stock footage as the backgrounds. Um, like pretty much for myself. Like I got to a point in my life where I was like, dude, you don't you've always wanted to make a feature film 
and you have yet to do it. And so I finally just just got to it. Um, and I wasn't thinking about any festivals. I wasn't thinking about showings. I wasn't thinking about anything except finishing the feature film. So for it to be accepted to film festivals like Salem, and it's been accepted to a few other festivals, and it seems to continue to please people. Uh, it's just like, you know, extra, it's like a bunch of cherries on top, not just one. It's like the whole tree, the whole cherry tree on top. Right, exactly. You know, and it's, I, it was such a breath of fresh air to see it because, you know, I've, I've never really done, you know, as, as much as I, I love doing movies and I've always followed along with my brother, who's a film critic, and we've made our own movies and everything. Um, in the last, you know, 15 years or so, the, the film festival circuit, the things to do when you're a geek and into stuff has certainly increased wholeheartedly, but my life's been so busy that I haven't done many. So this virtual one was a perfect opportunity to dive in and I didn't know what to expect. And to be hit with your movie first that, you know, for one, it's, it's wholly unique, which um, was, was a wonderful breath of fresh air, number one. And number two, and like I said in my review, it can't really be classified, you know, as one thing. You, you say you have, you know, a big um, sort of background in, you know, the 50s B-movies and the sci-fi horror, you know, moving on. And that's all there. But what your movie has that is, like, catchable, it's right on its sleeve, is that DIY, hey, you could make this type of mentality. But being done by somebody that's obviously skilled at making something. Um, so it comes about feeling like it's immediately nostalgic mm -hmm. because, because you're very transparent about that, you know, wanted to make this movie. And I love that you tack on that little like making of Q and a thing to the end as a sort of inspiration of the thing you just watched. Literally, here's how I did it. And you could do it too. And, and I just love everything about that. So you, you nailed it, man, in my opinion. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I, I I really like um, so first of all I it's it's weird because I'm about to I guess I'm about to contradict what I what I said earlier in a way That's which, okay. which is I I want the movie to stand on its own um, before people know that you know it, it was made the way it was made right like I want them to be able to love the story to look at it and say hey this this has some some craft to it um this is a real thing i want them to be able to enjoy it that way before they find out how it was made um, yeah. and that's you know but but also i think i think it adds to the enjoyment of the movie when you find out how it was made you know what i mean like um it's like you said, like part of it is like I want to inspire people to make their own movies and to and to show them like, hey, this is possible. But at the same time, like even if people don't go out and make their own movies, like I want them to experience the elation of like, wow, I really enjoyed that movie. And on top of that, I really enjoy this artist and how this artist made the movie like yep. I, I, I wanted it to work on all those levels. So I'm really glad that, you know, you, you responded to it in that manner and other people are responding to it equally. Um, it makes me happy. Uh, you know, moving 
moving on towards the future, I'm like, it's got me thinking about a lot of things. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm glad that you, uh, I'm glad that you got that. No, it's, it's true. It, it, you know, it filled that need of, you know, as, as a younger, um, you know, film geek growing up in the late nineties, early two thousands, you know, the, the, the Tarantino's, the Robert Rodriguez's, the, the people like that, the John Carpenter from before that DIY, like, Hey, I'm, I know everything I want to do and it's rough and tumble. And I'm going to be very clear with you that I'm making a film and how I do it is just really, um, it's really inspiring. And I loved Rodriguez. He would put those 10 minute film school things on his DVDs, even mm -hmm. on the, ones he made for kids, like even like spy kids, he'd do it just to talk to kids and go, Hey, you know, here's the green screen in my garage that I filmed this whole movie on, you know? And, and I just, I always liked that, that you could have something that you can find. It makes it feel, um, it makes it feel like you're part of the conversation rather mm -hmm. than being sold something, even mm -hmm. though at the end of the day, that's what we're all trying to do. Right. You know, art, art is, you know, both art and it's for you, but it's a, it's an exchangeable good, right. It's you know, there's things there, but, um, you know, finding your movie, you know, it, it has that feel of like, like your buddy comes by and shows you a, like his passion project from college that he was working on with his friend and you can just feel his love all over it, you know, is, is no, is, is how it comes through. But to see that at a festival alongside, you know, you know, finding out at each movie I watch from this festival and you've always find out after. And that's what I, what I really loved about the way the horror fest put it up is they were never trying to sell you on what made it unique or what was hard about it to make. It was always like, this is a really cool movie about a guy fighting scorpions in a B 1950 sci-fi kind of way. And I went, cool, I'm going to watch it. But then your thing had that little bit at the end um, with, uh, you know, the, the people that did threshold and a couple others, they did the Q and A's that you could watch after with them to kind of reveal, Hey, you know, we actually only spent, you know, like $12,000 on this and yada, yada. And it's like, wow, that's insane. And, mm -hmm. and so I, I love that your movie and those movies could all be on the same even playing field with the way that this festival was set up, you know? Yeah. I feel like I spent $12 on my movie. <laughs> hey, dude, it, 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 I mean, the, like I said, this is something, you know, because you utilized, um, you know, a unique way of putting the story, you know, forward. Um, and it looked very stylized and had a cool look, you know, it, it's very, um, it's very consistent. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I, I, I joke about, um, on, on my shows or don't joke about, but I talk about how you can have a movie that they spend, you know, $20 million on, but mm -hmm. if 18 and a half million dollars of that budget was on one sequence and then the rest of the movie looks like junk mm. it, or like there was just cheap and, you know, you like those things stick through. But if a movie has a consistent through line of this is how I want it to look and the movie never betrays that, like, you know, anytime you go to the, the scorpions, you know, cave and there's all those fun things. Like what was it? What was horrify instead of Spotify? Was that it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there going, and the fact that you lead with that and I'm like, whatever this thing is, I am 100% on board. Just <laughs> like these, the little sense of humor and everything. And when they're in their world, the movie has a very consistent look. So when, when Poppy comes into their world, you know, it's even more stylized and heightened, but when he's in the real <clears throat> world, even though it's all fake, but in the real world, 
you you did a very good job, um, you know, and that that's a framing of shots. Even though you're framing your shots in a virtual stock footage world, there were very important choices made there that anybody with a green screen and an iPhone isn't going to make something as endearing, in my opinion. You know. Well, you know, I have to. So let me be honest about that. Um, I would say about seventy-five percent of that came in post. Um, yeah, of course. You know, I had because of the way I filmed, I had all this, uh, I had all this freedom in post. Um, so as I was putting the story together, um, I had certain ideas of how things should look, like you, like you mentioned, when he's uh, in their lair, or you know, where the scorpions are are at their best. He's in his own world. And that wasn't something, if I can be honest, that I thought about um, early on. That was something that started to take shape as I was editing the movie and putting the images together, like through composition, through compositing. Sorry. Um, of course. The, you know, I mean, there was some. There was definitely some thought given um, to certain things. Like I knew I wanted a progression. Um, you know, for the character, like a progression of him getting stronger. And, you know, a very simple way to do that is to, you know, you start out the earlier scenes, like filming from a higher angle. And then by the end of the movie where he's at his strongest, like filming the main character from below, you know, like a low angle, it gives him more, more height and more stature. Um, but a lot of the other you know, decisions that were made for the movie were made in post. Um, and I have to say, like, I, I got a, I got lucky. I got lucky. And, and you have to leave some room in filmmaking or, or any art making for that kind of luck. Um, I think a lot of times we like to, to uh, toot our own horns and be like, yeah, I, I completely thought of, of this thing looking exactly how it's in your face right now, but like, honestly, like there was so much stuff out of my control that, you know, you being able to pick up on that, I'm like, yeah, I got lucky with that. I got lucky. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that that's what I like about it is, you, you know, you think about why like the original Star Wars works as, as well as it does is because they, they had no precedent. You know, mm -hmm. you, you can have something in your head of what you want it to look like, but you don't have 25 other movies and a known camera technique and everything to pull off what you want. So you kind of have to stumble upon it, you know, and, and that to me um, is, you know, it's guerrilla filmmaking and I love guerrilla filmmaking. I love the idea that, you know, and, and that's what's at the heart of your movie is it's not just hey, I went outside and took a camera and filmed my friends doing something silly and made a movie, even though those can be endearing and great too. It's, no, I worked at it and I tweaked mm -hmm. it. I played with it. And and from watching your, you know, your how-tos and stuff, it's the same way. It's, you, you're allowing the creation of the art to be a process through even after it's released, you know? And, and, mm -hmm. I, and I think that's, um, that to me is better. Like when you can ask the person that made it of, ah, well, you know, if I had all the money in the world, I would have taken like 20 more passes. And it's like, yeah, but you also understand that at some point you just have to let it out into the world and see what people think because they're part of the conversation and the interpretation as well. Yeah, sometimes you just got to let it go. And it's interesting what you said about Star Wars because 
I did. I searched high and dry for uh, a movie similar to what I thought I was making. Like mm-hmm. I looked, I looked for so many movies um, where it's like one character fighting some kind of monster or beast, and they have them out there, but like not not the type that I was trying to make. And at some point, I was like, you know what? I, I I'm just gonna have to figure this out on my own, and. That's what I did. And even all the way through post, I was still looking for those movies and like how to structure the movie properly so that it fit into that, you know, mold. But the movie just kept fighting and being like, nah, I don't want to be in a mold. I'm just going to, I'm going to be my own thing. And right. uh, you okay with that. You just have to allow that to be part of the process. And like you said, you got to, you know, at some point you just got to let it go and, present it to the world and let them be the ones to to give you more feedback as to like what they're experiencing and what they are watching so you know it's it's it i have to say this like it wasn't just like um fulfilling in terms of like i got my feature made but like i feel like it's it's been a life-changing um event in my life you know what i mean like yeah me so many lessons not just about filmmaking but about me as a person as well so i like i i look at it as like so many wins that i'm just like oh man what's gonna be the next project like so and that's electric right that you can catch that that you know like that's that's um it's contagious right especially when you get other people that get excited and then like you go, oh, wow, now other people are expecting something of me. That's scary and exciting all at the same time. And, uh, you know, it's it's funny that you said you couldn't really find a mold that it fit in because because I felt the same way trying to describe it in my review. You know, is it the closest thing? And again, this isn't from the exact movie, but just the the way it was kind of all cobbled together reminded me of the the early days of Internet, you know, video making where you had like all of these people that were just throwing out whatever, you know, they could make. So you had like, you know, film school kids or the um, programming kids that were really good at flash, you know, mm-hmm. start flash animations out. And there were websites that compiled all this because there wasn't anything like YouTube that just hosted it all. Um, and it, it reminded me a lot of that where it's like, it's, you know, like maybe an in joke that's like, you know, you and a few people are, are more than you know understanding that this is something that everyone's going to get but then when you watch it it just has this way of being like no i get that <laughs> you, you know what i mean even though mm-hmm. you just don't know because you're not making like some pop culture joke and winking at the audience you know what i mean you're this is no poppy ramirez is fighting these giant scorpions and these giant scorpions have personalities and there's an actual story here and yeah, he's fighting a scorpion that's basically an action figure on stop motion animation running around on a green screen. But you know what? That's awesome. <laughs> you know? And 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 so it's you know, it's just so wild um, to see something so unique and original that was also a passion project. How long? How long were you working on this again? So I started it. Um, I would say. February of of um, 2018. Wow! And it all started in a very um, 
so, so you know, we, you know, I've lived in Philadelphia for a long time, and my wife and I, back in about the fall of 2017, we felt like we were just going around in circles in Philly. Um, she's a dancer choreographer, so she's also in the arts, and we had our daughter, and we felt as though, you know, let's move down to North Carolina, where, where my wife is from, um, so that we can at least be around family, and yep. we'll, we'll figure out the rest from there, right? So we move into this small apartment, and I'm itching to be creative, so... I hear from a, a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, he's an uh, he's a visual artist. He's like, yeah, I have my art studio in a storage unit. I was like, what? What does that mean? He's like, I rent out a storage unit and that's where I have, that's where I go and I paint. And uh, by the way, there's like a ton of bands that rehearsing these units. I was like, that is crazy. He was like, yeah, like all the band rehearsal studios have closed down in town so bands like they've been scrambling to to find places to rehearse at and this particular uh storage unit facility allows them to to go in and rehearse and they have power inside each unit and it just kind of works out perfectly so i was like well you know what i guess i'll be the filmmaker with a studio in one of the units so that's how it all started i rented a small little unit I threw up a green screen and I just started experimenting and I found myself like around 10, 11 o'clock at night on a Friday night. Um, I was in the unit and I was like, it wasn't my turn to put our daughter down. So I went to the unit and I was like, <laughs> I just wanted to make something, you know, I wanted to make something really bad. So I remember how much I loved um, and love like the Twilight Zone, like the black and white Twilight Zone episodes. And I did like a little, like a short little scene. Like I had the car. Um, I had gotten it earlier at a thrift store. So that kind of worked out. I was like, oh, I can put myself inside the car. I thought like a desert landscape would kind of be a little simpler to use since I didn't have to worry about extras or anything else in terms of like other bodies. And I just came up came up with this like scene where I hit something mysterious in the middle of the night out on the road, and it turns out to be some alien monster or something. And then like I get out and see what I hit, and then I hear the monster uh, roars, and like I jump back into the car, and then I take off, but the monster overtakes me. So that was like really fun to to film and edit and put together. And so I started making more scenes like that. And I had about 20 minutes um, put together. They were not scenes that, like, the only thing that they had in common was that they were in black and white and that it had the car. It had the little miniature car, right? There were no scorpions at the time. So I sent the footage off to the Philadelphia Latino Film Festival, 20 minutes. I, and I said, hey, this is, uh, this is 20 minutes from my feature film. If you like it, uh, you know, I would love to screen the entire film at the festival. Uh, now, that was the only <laughs> thing that existed was the 20 minutes, okay? And this is about three months before the festival. So I hear back with, from the festival and they're like, yeah, we would love to screen this at the festival. And all of a sudden I was like, oh crap, 
Now I have to finish an entire feature film in about two and a half months. And so <laughs> that's, that's what happened. Like I had this scene where the car goes over the, the cliff. Yeah. Love that, scene. that wasn't like there was there were no scorpions on that scene at the time. Um, so as I was writing the screenplay, um, you know, I had bought the little remote control scorpions just to have something to play around with. And very quickly I was like, oh, these need to be a big part of this movie if I'm going to get it done. So that's how it became, you know, Poppy Ramirez versus Giant Scorpions. And, you know, I added the scorpions to the scene at the cliff and then I had to refilm myself inside the car looking back, you know, because I was being chased by the scorpions. And, you know, I had to, I wrote the script in about like a week and, and then I filmed the the rest, all the scenes and everything, I'd say within like a, a three week period. And then after that, I went into post and, you know, I mean, it was crazy. It was, it was one of those things where like, you're crying every day because you're like, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. But I made it. I, I, I <laughs> like, I just about made it. The movie screened off of my iMac at the film festival. I didn't have time to bounce out a quick time for them to, to put into their system and, and screen. Like, I literally carried my iMac from where I was staying in Philly. We were still living in, in North Carolina, so the film festival had us at an Airbnb. I literally carried my iMac from the Airbnb to the theater connected my iMac to um to their HDMI and screened it off of Final Cut Pro. I don't know how crazy like that's super crazy. I don't know how if you realize how crazy that is. No, I, I do realize how crazy that is because <laughs> I've had to screen things that we worked on off of Adobe Premiere. And it's like one of those things where you go, oh and this is the only copy. And what if someone goes up and touches it and hits save as and deletes half my stuff. And like you just like it's so stressful. I mean, at one point, at one point, the computer went to sleep right in the middle of the movie. <laughs> oh my god! But you know, like you know, I I showed a ninety minute cut of the movie. It was way too long, but people and it was black and white at the time. Um, but people seemed to love it. Like they really got the heart of it. They 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 got the story. They got the heart of it. They got the theme. Like all the elements were there. It just needed about another six months of editing. Which after the uh, Philadelphia Latino Film Festival, I was able to edit it down into what it is now. It's a fifty-four minute movie, which is actually what I had intended from the very beginning. I wanted to make like one of those, you know that that style of movie like a a, a b movie from the 1950s 1960s and they, they're they down about 60 minutes long so they were meant to play with a half an hour of cartoons and news before them that was the exactly exactly <laughs> so it, you know i got it to the right to the right length um and it is the right like it works now as it is um i, I can't even imagine what like that extra 35 minutes of footage must have been man i a lot of stuff got trimmed and cut, um, but yes, but you know, it, it was just crazy bringing that ninety-minute cut to the Philadelphia Latino Film Festival, and then that. So 
if I started in February 2018, that festival was in June 2018. So that, so that I would call that like the first phase of making the movie. And then the second phase of making the movie was after the festival. I took like another six to seven months to do some editing. I showed the cut at a few private showings so that I can get feedback and notes. Um, so I would say all in all, the movie took about, took about a year and a half to complete. Um, and now here we are. That's awesome. And you, um, is everything, all the, uh, film skills, you know, the green screen work and editing, is that all self-taught? That is all self-taught. I used to be in a band and I would nice. make... Yeah, I would make all our um, music videos using green screen. Um, so that, you know, I've, it, it's so weird to think like I made about 10 music videos in front of a green screen, but the thought of actually making a feature film did not hit me till much later in my life. Like, you know, I know we're not supposed to like, you know, regret the past or anything like that, but I'm just like, man, why I could have made one of these one of these feature films like 10 years ago I, I the technology was available you know it wouldn't have been as easy but it you know the technology final cut pro has for for a long time had a had a keyer as one of its uh one of its its uh, effects you know in the in the program but you know you you kind of you get to things when you're ready so, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't have had that through line of of the um, I won't call it the fear, the, the anticipation and the unknown of being a new father that came in the storyline, which I think is like, I remember getting through it the first time and going, you know, the movie reels you in by going, okay, this is going to be fun. This is going to be silly. This is going to be weird. And I'm on board. And then you get to that third act when the movie is like revealing, like, wait a minute, there's a story with these scorpions and there's a story like this is all about stepping up and being a parent and fighting for your kids. And then there's even jokes in there too, where, okay, this is still a monster, you know, even though, and I'm like, this is all just, it, it resonated more than it, um, than a lesser, uh, if you had just, you know, done this out really quick, just to be a fun effects reel, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? But the fact that you, you made it be about something you were actually dealing with in your life. And, and I thought that was so cool. Um, do you have a background in doing like um, like stunt work or, or or anything for actual films? Because I loved the idea of Poppy at the beginning there being that kind of duality or parallel between him like working as the you know guy in the suit getting killed in the in the movie at the beginning there. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, that was once again luck. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's great. I think it's just a really funny like idea of why is he out in the desert? Okay. Well, he's, he's filming this movie and it's like, you know, you're playing a character who's being, you know, like green screened or affected into a movie, but then it's in a movie about that. It's kind of like, you know, a weird meta thing. And I, I really right. enjoy it. No. Yeah. I, I, I hear what you're saying. It, and it also, it kind of, one of the things I wanted was, um, I mean, I definitely wanted some martial arts in there. Mm -hmm. I, needed, I needed to make it somewhat believable. So I felt like, well, if he's a stuntman, like, 
that kind of makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like it'll be a lot, a lot easier to kind of swallow it. And I also wanted to make him a physical, um, like physicality be part of his being, because then that allowed me to kind of show him in a, in sort of a, a debilitated state in the beginning, even though it was not like a, a physically debilitating state, it was a mentally debilitating state that he was then able to turn around by the end of the movie and, and get his, once his mind was attuned back to his body, like to me, it made sense that he was, he would be able to do what he ended up doing at the end of the movie. Does that make any sense? No, it makes complete sense. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it was it, because, because for me, like becoming my father was such a, such a mental thing. Like it was such a mental hurdle that I had to overcome that, you know, it, that it really was what I wanted to portray. I mean, I felt so it's funny because it's funny. Like a lot of the things that you're saying, like you're, you, I'm here thinking about what you're saying and being like, oh man, that's really interesting because I have to tell you one of the main reasons why thematically I made it about a, a father, a soon to be father, like his fear about becoming a father was because I felt like the movie making aspect of it was so cheap and silly that i was like i need something that at least i can be like you know it needed to have some 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 substance or some meat to it because i didn't think any of the techniques i was using i didn't think any of the filmmaking at all was impressive i was like man this is gonna like this is gonna look so dumb and stupid so at the very least, I wanted there to be something that, you know, people could sort of identify to or, or like a good reason for the movie to exist. And that just came strictly from from the techniques that I was using. It wasn't like I didn't think like, oh, I want to make a movie about a, a, a father going through this struggle. Like it literally from the beginning, it started like, hey, I want to make something really cool. And I wanted to. And and I and these are the tools that I have at my disposal. So it it, it seems like doing something a B movie from the nineteen sixties like would be the good way to do it because that gives me a lot of leeway, you know. So I can't can't say again. Once again, I can't say like, oh, I totally planned it from the very beginning. It was like this thing that I wanted to do about fatherhood, and look how smart I was. Like all those things <laughs> just came from practicality you know what i'm saying but that's what's great i mean what do they tell you know any any writer any director it's like you know yeah that's there's a good outside the box thing for when you actually become skilled and experienced that's the way to like you know um really push yourself but like when you're trying to get something out there break it down do what you know mm -hmm. you know and, and that's why you you were reaching so far outside the box of yeah you 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 know you had the techniques you had you knew how to use a green screen you know how to use the editing but you weren't you know a trained out of film school guy that could sit down and plan you know a movie every stage so it's like okay well I want to make a movie what does it be about naturally well I have this real fear in my life that's going to be the main character's actual fear and it's like there you go and then it then it seems like you said it seems so genuine in something that's very artificial by design. Mm -hmm. You weren't making a movie that you were trying to make look like a guy fight, 
you know, a real scorpion walking around. It's like the the charm of Poppy Ramirez versus giant scorpions is that he's fighting a plastic scorpion. I find that super endearing about it because even though it's a guy fighting a plastic scorpion, your style and consistency and the story you end up telling makes you go, yeah, I really enjoy watching this guy fight this plastic scorpion. <laughs> and then by, by, by the moment you're in the last 15 minutes, like I, I was genuinely sitting there going, I'm actually gripped by this. Wow. Like I don't, and again, and it, you know what I mean? Like you, 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 you get pulled in because the movie brings you into its world. You, you know, um, thematic choices, visual choices when they made the, the Lego movie, you mm -hmm. know, it was a definite real thematic choice to, to keyframe the animation in that movie and to not look like a beautiful Pixar digital animated movie. They wanted it to look like some kid stop motion animated his Legos, but on a very large scale. And why is that? Because that pulls you in that make that brings you into you're in on the joke, everybody. Like this movie is being built in front of your eyes. That's what we're going for. And even though, like you said, a lot of that comes out in post because what you were doing was so raw and rough and, um, you know, you were feeling it out. You know what I mean? You were, you were learning as you went and that's what the movie ends up being about. And so the fact that it can parallel itself, whether it was in, intentional from day one or not, it's, uh, it's, I think, why people are latching onto it because, you know, Les Rivera is sitting there and going, hey, look, this is me. This is, this is the type of movie I want to make. This is the type of character that, you know, I don't look at it as much as we're seeing Poppy Ramirez on screen is after talking to you, it's like, no, this is less, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, this is, this okay. is a caricature of you, you know? And, and I think that's really cool. Um, and that's something, you know, that not everybody can pull off. Right. You, you know, that's like a, that's like a, you know, a, not that it's comparison at all from like a writing or anything but like that's like what a person like kevin smith you know does as a filmmaker is he he shows up and goes this is me take it or leave it mm -hmm. you know what i mean there there this is what me and my friends care about and what i think is funny and take it or leave it and there's no um facade being put on you know and uh i'd rather watch a movie like that any day than something um you know set up and uh um produced by people that think they know what i want to see i'd rather see something completely unique and go well now i want to talk to this guy <laughs> you know and that's yeah. that's that's exactly what happened here yeah i can tell you another little fun uh uh bit which is uh i'd say after i guess around the time i got the final cut that now exists and I started submitting to festivals, I had a big epiphany. And that was that, holy moly, my daughter's birthday is November 1st. She is a Scorpio. And I just, ah. made, and I just made this movie. And I was like, you know, under a, a different circumstance, I, I would be like, yeah, so like, you know, the movie is about giant scorpions because my daughter is a Scorpio and blah, 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 blah. But like... I didn't even realize that until so much later. <laughs> I was like, "That's so funny, man!" I should have realized that earlier. You so, should have realized it earlier, just so you could like work that into the thing. Even uh, even if it wasn't 
like the genuine things like well <laughs> as I was, as i was sitting down with my fine wine thinking about um the the storyline and what it meant in the metaphysical sense it's like oh yes yes <laughs> thanks thanks film school guy why don't why don't you go <laughs> no it always jokes i always loved um what Jed apatow and his guys always did a good job of that they'd put themselves in their special features playing mm-hmm. fake versions of themselves so there's there's like a funny faked um like michael sarah is auditioning to be in uh knocked up to play um uh, seth rogan's character and he's just playing a complete caricature of himself and just acting like a total pretentious jerk and you just, and i'm just like i love i love stuff like that where it's like you know and they don't play it off like it's fake they just go here's the audition tape and you're like all right this is totally made up and i love it uh-huh. <laughs> so um i don't know i find you know, that enjoyable. I find that is definitely cool definitely um so uh you know you you said you're from puerto rico and mm-hmm. um your your production or well, you as your production company is um el blatino cine ninja is that that did i have that right you got that right and I, I love that because when I read that the first time I had, I had heard, you know, having friends that, you know, are, are in that community. I, I grow Lynn mass is a very urbanly diverse area. And so I always thought that was just, you know, like a joke, you know, the, the black and Latino kids called Latino. And when I saw that, I'm like, Oh man, he goes, I get exactly where this guy's coming from now. Do you, tell me, cause I know that that's, that's a thing of pride. You know what I mean? And you talk about it in your movie, you know, there's not too many directors that are, this exact mix of person, you know, uh-huh. and t- tell me a bit about that. I mean, you, you know, you got it into festivals. Like you said, the first one, you know, you were like, yeah, I got this movie that's finished. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, t- talk about that a little bit. Uh, talk about like the, the Latino, like my whole like, background where, of the Afro Puerto Rican. Where the name comes from, you know, like why, I, I don't know, just like an, anything about, about that and you, you know, well, Latino, funnily enough, came from a friend in Philly. Um, he's a bartender, or he was a bartender. This is years ago. And we, anytime we would just like go to his bar, he would always be like, man, you ain't Puerto Rican, you're Latino. And I'd be like, shut up. <laughs> like, so That's it, what I mean. I, I had never heard someone use it in a name, so I always thought of it as like almost like a little like, you know, like uh, derogatory, like jabs friend to friend, you know? So it's like, oh, that's awesome to see. You know, it on a like banner for a name of a company was really cool. Yeah, so that's where that came from. And then the Cine Ninja, um, I think that was also another friend. Just like when they found out what I was doing in the storage unit, they were like, "Man, Les, you're like a Cine Ninja." And I was like, "Oh, that's so cool." So that's where the name Latino Cine Ninja came from. Um, yeah, I love it. There's I love it because more than no, because like. Like I said, in guerrilla filmmaking, but your yours is different than that. So you've you've created a genre. Your genre is cine ninja, <laughs> <laughs> a whole new type of film. Well, stand aside, mumblecore. We're we're ready for cine ninja. <laughs> well, I just um, one of the things that I I have loved about making the movie and doing the tutorials and stuff is that I'm being asked to do workshops for kids. Yes, I'm glad uh, you. And uh, that's been really cool because um, I actually dial it back some and I'm like, hey, y'all, 
you see this in your pocket right now? And I hold up my, my phone. I was like, that movie that I made, you can make it with this phone. And they really could. Uh, yeah. So I tell them, like, use your phone, go to the dollar store and buy yourself, like, four or five pieces of, of green cardboard, post, uh, poster cardboard, and go make a movie. And that's because I don't want them to go off. First of all, I don't want them thinking that the equipment is what's going to make their film good. Yes. Number one. And then number two, most of them don't have the money to get any kind of equipment, but they already have the phones in their pockets. And I'm sure they can scrape together something of a, of, of a certain color, whether it's a, a piece of cloth or poster board or something like that. It doesn't take a lot. So I'm, I'm super happy that I can you know, bring this information to kids because I, I think they're the ones who can grab it and run with it. You know, like if I would have had this knowledge when I first started making movies, oh my goodness now. You know, back I'm about to age myself. Back then, my first camera, I started making movies using a super VHS camera. That thing was huge. It was huge. And then I would edit between the camera and a VCR. Is that how you edit it as well? Yes. Oh, man, me me and my brother used to make movies on my dad's. um, It was a GE super VHS. Um, It had the sling VHS that you had in like a little briefcase that slung over your shoulder. Uh Uh-huh. And then we would use that VHS because that had a a reel-to-reel connection with another VHS to do editing and sound dubbing. Oh, wow. Now, did you have have the problem that I had, which was there was about a two to three second lag um, between like where I wanted my edit and where it actually happened. So I actually had to do math and I actually had to like, it was crazy. Editing back then between the camera and the VCR, like... It wasn't just like hitting a button. Like I had to do all these like mathematical calculations so that the edit could come out the way I wanted it to come out. And then oh, you yeah. got, uh, all the extra generations and your image is like, you know, the, the, with each generation, like the image breaks down and all that stuff. So if I look, if I had a phone back then, like these kids have these phones and Final Cut Pro, or you don't even need like a computer. Like I tell them, you have everything in your phone. You can actually download um, a movie or any kind of editing program into your phone and just, and iMovie Now, I don't know if you knew this or not, but the phone version of iMovie Now has green screen capabilities. Oh so, my God, if I had that when I was 12. Right? Oh my God, I made, <laughs> I, I, we got a VHSC. That was our up update from the from the Super VHS. So the little tape, but it's you know, and then you put it in the bigger tape to play it in a regular VCR. Yep. And that had quarter frame recording technology. So I was like, you know what, quarter frame. I don't have the patience to do twenty four or thirty frames a second right now. I'm going to do quarter frame stop motion animations right in the camera. And I made these like Lego and action figure movies. And the hardest part was always either building a set or creating backgrounds. And I like, I did, you know, clear, um, Lexan, you know, plexiglass so I could draw on laser beams, you know, or whatever else. And if I had a damn green screen, (laughs) oh my God, what I could have done. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I I feel as though these kids have the tools to just go crazy. Yeah. 
it's endless at this point. Like you could, you can literally make your movie. They could make, they could make a spy kids movie. You mm-hmm. know, the, you, you try to remind people all these things, you know, they could make 300, 300 was entirely shot on a green screen. Yep. You know, the, there's all these, you know, most kids television shows for the past 20 years have just been a guy in front of a green screen, you know, and, and they can do all of that now and make it look pretty good. That's, yeah. that's the best part. Yeah. I've used some phone ones and it's amazing how actually good the technology is. Yeah. And, and what do kids have that we don't have now at this point? Time, in our lives? time, time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they have the ability and they have the ability to make a mistake and do it again which but, which is the other part yeah that's true that is true but let me let me say one quick thing about time though i think um i've had a lot of time i've had a lot of time in past years and i just made my first feature film and i had to i didn't have the time i had to make the time so there's something to be said for that too. Yeah. It's very easy. It's very easy to have a lot of time and waste it. Oh yeah. Now I know, I know you said you had a, um, a commitment, so I don't want to keep you much longer. Um, even though God, I feel like we could talk forever and I think we should do this again. We um, should again. I wanted to give you the, uh, the opportunity, you know, to, to give a shout out to anything you want, you know, give you the board. Um, to touch on anything that I might have missed you wanted to say, but also just to say, um, you know, again, this is the first time we've talked in person, but I really appreciate having a, having a back and forth. Hope we keep in touch. You're, you're a really interesting and inspiring and awesome guy. And I'm glad this festival brought us together, man. Oh man. I feel the same way. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and, and I, I wanted to mention too, um, you know, obviously the, the point of this was to talk about your movie, but you know, your, your, your father's group thing you sent to me, cause that's near and dear to my heart. Cause I, I run a, a dad group that I've been running virtually now is also something, especially if people are, are local to where that is, if you wanted to plug that too, cause that's just wonderful. So. Yeah. Well, the, the group is called the father and circle. Um, and we're based in Philadelphia and, you know, like every group right now, Everything is virtual and we're not, we're not doing a lot of outreach right now. You know, like times are a little bit hard for everybody like that has kids uh, with your kids home and everything. So we're kind of just, you know, we're, we're doing our thing, but definitely once, uh, once things are better, um, we'll have some more public activities. Like we did a fathering festival at the Philadelphia Museum of Art, um, back in i believe it was um november 2017 yes yes um but yes the the father and circle has been great and it definitely has been great and uh we hope to be able to bring it to more people because i don't know we're i feel like we're in a time right now where there's a lot of there's a lot of men who are becoming interested in just not doing things how they used to be done like right we don't have to be the breadwinners we don't have to we don't have to um abide to these antiquated way where um you know we're not present 
in our kids um, lives unless what we're providing is you know money um, right like you know emotions and and closeness and all these things that our fathers didn't really think about because they weren't in the air like those things are now in the air so that's that's what the father and circle is about for us um, and, and I, I love it I, I sent that video you had sent though one that kind of introduces the group mm -hmm. around to the, the dads that I work with just mm -hmm. as, you know, as an inspirational thing of, Hey, you know, this, this group hits everything that I'm trying to, to, you know, tell you guys, you know? And so it just, here's more things. Cause when the pandemic started, it's like, I was looking for anything. Like we hit that conversation at the perfect time, you know, where I was like, Oh, the, cool. More, more information I can give people more people, that think the same way and are trying the same thing. And I, it's been very helpful. It, that, and I'm also, it's, doesn't it feel good to know that like, you're not alone out there and how, um, how your relationship with fatherhood is, you know, like, and I, I feel like going through and you don't have to pretend that it's not something you talk about. Exactly. Yeah. It feels good. It feels it good. Does. It's, it's you know when you know we're trying to figure out how to how to get more members um into the circle so as soon as i have as soon as we have that figured out i will definitely let you know awesome and then i just wanted to tell you one other thing that i think you'll get excited about sure um, so i'm currently writing um i wouldn't call it a follow-up but i'm writing um a screenplay in the world of poppy but it's um it's going to be the mom. The mom is going to be front and center in this. Awesome. Tentative title is uh, Mommy Ramirez ver uh, Fights Zombies. Um, <laughs> it's I'm definitely, so it's, not, it's not what you think. I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting, but I just got a $20,000 grant to write it. What? Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. So, I mean, it's going to happen. Like, to me, that's like, oh, that's a sign that this thing, I need to just keep keep moving along with it and make sure that it gets done. Now, let me ask you this, um, you know, and, and this is this is more tongue in cheek than anything else. So, you know, with that huge boost in, in budget from from zero <laughs> joke, joke to, to a twenty thousand dollar grant are. Uh, is is Poppy Ramirez and El Blatino Sin and Ninja gonna gonna sell out, or is this still gonna be a uh, um, storage locker um, production? Well, here here's what I'm gonna say about that. Um, that's, that's more of a joke than anything else. No, I know, but I, I do have an answer to that because um, I actually, when I started writing this screenplay, um, I already knew that it wasn't for the storage unit. It was for I don't know if calling it like a proper Hollywood or a proper film production. Like I, I'm, I was writing something that, that needed some kind of a budget and a little bit, you know, just more than what I did the Scorpion movie with. Um, but that's not to say that while I'm writing this screenplay, I'm not writing another secret screenplay. That's going to be strictly for the living room or for the storage unit. Awesome. <laughs> can't lose your street cred man that that's 
<laughs> I'm not going to lose my street cred or my storage unit cred or whatever it is. Yeah, it's just a joke. You, you don't, you don't want to, uh, you don't want to be green day and get all the punk fans mad at you and you get on the big label, you know? <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think there's a, I think there's room for, for both. Oh, I completely agree. I completely yeah. agree. I and, mean, and I think, and I think it's amazing that, um, you know, some, somebody else or something else sees the benefit of investing in, you know, a creative like you that, you know, is, it, it, it's really coming, coming from, from a place in my heart to be like, you know, I, I do this podcasting thing. Not, not, I don't have a background in radio or in audio recording or in anything. I do it because I love talking to people and mm -hmm. I love putting content out there. And I've learned that that is a huge creative outlet. I get a giant satisfaction from editing these things and putting them together and putting them out there. Not to say that a younger me wouldn't be, you know, going through every sound blip and frequency and thing to try to figure out to get it perfect. But no, I just like talking to people. And I think that that's electric and catchable and other people enjoy it. And I'm not going to do much else to it. And I that people more than me making some big polished, you know, um, crazy thing. And, and it's the same with what you're doing. People see that, you know, your, your heart and soul are in what you're doing and you're learning and stumbling and it's silly and you're having a good time with it rather than coming in with this confidence of, Hey, look, it's me. I make great movies and you just have to deal with that, which you get from some creatives out there. So. Yeah, no, I definitely let, um, the kids know I was, you know, you got, you have to love it. You know, you have to have more fun while you're making it than once it's finished because once it's finished you're actually uh i get depressed because yeah. i'm no longer in that process of creating something so it definitely is always about the creative process versus like the final product yeah so. So yeah, I feel you. And and you know, as we get older, we we kind of figure out our lanes and what really fulfills us versus like what we thought we should be doing. Um and it's it's good. It's good. I you know, I had no idea when I was younger, man. You think like all these things, you think you're going to be the the next Scorsese or like you know, even Robert Rodriguez, you think you're going to be all these things and you know, as you get older, you figure out that like, nah, I don't, I'm not going to be the next of any of those things. I'm going to be me. I'm going to yep. be the thing that, that, uh, that fulfills me. And it, it will probably be completely different than what you thought you wanted. So, you know, I'm, I'm still learning all these lessons. I am still learning these lessons. So I hope I have, uh, I hope I, I have, <laughs> I have a few few more years before I have to pass down some lessons down to my daughter, because I certainly am still trying to figure a lot of it out. <laughs> oh, that's the hardest part. You, 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 know, you put yourself in this position where you think back, it's like the first day you start realizing your parents are human and your teachers mm -hmm. are human and you mm -hmm. go, wait a minute. I I'm 36. When my dad was 36, I was six years old. And I remember my dad, like, 
making mistakes and like, but you think back and you go, but they didn't because everything they say is the way it's supposed to be. And you sit there and go, but now I'm 36. I am still learning what it means to do right and do wrong and not do this and do that. How do I teach that to somebody? Like, and it's, it's so, and that's why having dads to talk to about it. The fact that you and I can admit that to each other is not something 25 years ago that you'd ever hear a recording of two dads admitting to each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that is and, so true. And, and that's, that's, and you know, that, that reaches across everything. And, and so with that, I cannot wait to see what Mami Ramirez has in store because that's that's exciting. I'm glad you dropped that on me because now I'm like, oh, <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is, dude. It could, it, you know, it, it could be anything. I just want to see more stuff from you because you, your your stuff is, it's real, you know? It's a, and that's funny to say about a completely artificial movie that doesn't take place in the real world. Um, but, you know, it's 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 real because you're real as a creative and that's, that's very important. Oh man. I appreciate that. Thank you. Cool. I am, I am going to let you get back to life. Um, again, I really appreciate this. Um, is there any place right now where people can find, uh, your movie streaming or anything, or is that still all in the works? Um, that's somewhat in the works, but it's, uh, the next film festival it's playing at will be, uh, film Maudit 2.0. It's a festival out of, um, California and, uh, out of LA. Clearly it's going to be virtual, but that's, uh, you know, film and then Maudit is, uh, M-A-U-D-I-T. And I believe it's 2.0 and it's playing, I think it's, Oh man, I don't, I don't know the dates off the top of my head, but it's like mid January to about the end of January. Excellent, so excellent. That's the next time that it'll be screening, I'll make sure we get this out then, so people can uh, prepare for that. Because again, the best thing would be listeners to feast your eyes on this thing, and you can go to um, El Platino Cine Ninja, which will be in the you know liner notes for this too, to see Les's um, you know all of his stuff and there's bits from Poppy Ramirez on there too. So you'll be able to see trailers and um, you know, the individual scenes and tests and everything that make up the movie. Cause it's, I just fell down a rabbit hole of that after seeing this movie. Cause again, I watched it and you know, without knowing you and how you made it, you know, my original thought was, okay, this is somebody, you know, that maybe it's like an, a cartoon network, like late night adult swim kind of people, the robot chicken kind of people or whatever, just having fun, you know, and they made, they made a little movie and they're having a good time. And then I'm like, no, this is so much more than that. This is a guy totally doing this himself. And that's, it's just so cool to see it go together. So I fell down that rabbit hole and I'm just going to watch everything. And, <laughs> and it's, it's awesome. It's, it, and, and I think, I think my, my listeners are going to enjoy that as well. So, you know, this was part of Salem Horror Fest 2020. I know three months later is a, we are two months later is, you know, still talking about it because all year should be, you know, time for movies like this. And I just am so, so excited that you, uh, that we both finally found time to talk because it's been a crazy few months. It has been. And I thank you very much for having me, man. This is, it's actually great to do this too, because it, you know, you've, you've caused me to, to think about some things that I wasn't thinking about before. 
that enhances my artistic process and my journey. So I thank you for that. Well, I appreciate that. And I'll, and I'll use what you said before about yourself as someone that, you know, I find comes pretty naturally to me, mm-hmm. but it is not, not something that, you know, everybody thinks is so easy. So I'll just say uh, by luck in the way that I approach doing these shows by kind of going off the cuff and, um, you know, maybe poking the right things to get someone thinking works and, and people seem to really like it. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing this the way, the way that makes me happy and the way that's comfortable bettering your life or giving you something to think about, then that's just the whole cherry tree for me as well. So, Oh, there you go. You brought it back. You brought it back so well. Robin Williams joke, man. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, well, Les, thank you so much for shooting the shit with Chippa and thank you for, for making Papi Ramirez versus giant scorpions. And just being being an awesome guy, and uh, anyone that crosses Les's path, he's just he's super genuine and really great to talk to, and really inspiring. And uh, I just um, I hope I, I hope you make plenty more things, and we can be talking about all of them on the show. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right, man. Sorry for keeping you a half an hour overtime. You go have a good day. No, it's all good. You take it easy too. <laughs>